Warning. This episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. did make it. I'm Hillary B. Bismiecks. Listeners, I'm super excited to introduce to you my guest today. Jen Carner is the author of the forthcoming Legacy of Shadows series and is just a fantastic person. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, we were talking before the show about uh, when we were going to have you on, and we were both like, oh, early June would be a perfect time, because it coincides with the release of the series, and we get to open Pride Month with you. Yes, it's so good. Like, the fact that I get to debut with uh, lesbians and, like, a sapphic romance during Pride, like, there are so many boxes that have been checked, checked off. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. So, Jen, you're going to be reading from Cinders of Yesterday, is that correct? Yes, it's the first novel in the Legacy of Shadows series, uh, and it's my debut, so it's going to be coming on, uh, we are actually 31 days out right now as we're recording, uh, so June 22nd, so very close now. (laughs) And is there anything that we need to know before we get into this reading? Um, So I'm going to be reading the fourth chapter out of the book, which is uh, when one of our protagonists, Danny, gets to this weird little town in Maryland looking for a magical weapon that uh, she has been told can kill a necromancer that won't stay dead. And Danny's whole thing is uh, she wants to avenge her partner who was murdered by this necromancer. And so she is out for blood. (laughs) Fantastic. All right. Well, I am ready when you are. Okay, let's go. So, Danny tugged her jacket closed against the cool morning breeze and kept an eye out for the farmhouse where the veil blade was rumored to hide. Breakfast should have been her first stop after weeks on the road, but she opted for a quick hike through the woods near her motel. It spit her out on the street where the black house stood and gave her time to take a proper peek at it. She needed to get a better scope of the town as well. Rolling in at 3 a.m. after driving for 10 hours hadn't done her perception any favors. With sentinels talented at hunter history, she wanted eyes on the place in daylight. Good thing, too, because it was almost falling in on itself. Set back from the street behind a wooden fence weathered by time, the house had seen better days. A two-story farmhouse with a wraparound porch, she saw how it might have been beautiful once. Now, with broken windows and paint-stripped boards, it looked like trouble. Danny wandered up to the fence, eyes soaking in every detail. When she got inside tonight, she'd need as much help as she could get. She wrapped her hands on the ragged wood and a splinter stabbed into her hand. With nobody else on the street, she wasn't too worried about bleeding. If one wanted to use someone's blood against them, it had to be fresh, and she doubted she'd bled enough for it to be worth it. That's why she aimed for this time of day. No passers-by to ask awkward questions or catch her while she scoped out the house. Good thing, too, because she needed to work a little mojo of her own. 
Talented had an internal reservoir of power, they called one, while casters used contracts or totems that gave them abilities to work past the norm. For hunters, the process worked a little bit different. You used charms, components, things you drew magic off of. Danny had it all in spades, her own protective collection. She reached a hand under her collar and pulled out the effigy of an eye, a slider where the eyelid rested. Holding it, she pinned her eyes on the house and slid the lid to an open position. The farmhouse lit up like a rave as it glowed. Runes webbed over the entire house, shining in a rainbow of colors. She grit her teeth and tried to pick them all apart, but it was impossible. So many she didn't recognize. The shapes and symbols were far enough away from one another that if she played her cards right, she'd be able to sneak past. It'd mean making a solve to hide her from the magic protecting the place, but it was doable. Danny slid the eye charm shut again and tucked it back out of sight. She blinked a few times to clear her vision and get her bearings. Joe had sent her up here with nothing more than a few rumors in her pocket. There'd been no guarantee Danny would find anything. The amount of magic laid over the house convinced her that there was at least something inside. The question was whether it was the veil blade or not. Her stomach growled, reminding her she needed to eat breakfast. If there was a decent joint, it'd give her the chance to get a snapshot of the people in town, help her figure out who had placed the runes and spell work. It was too much for just one person, even a skilled talented, to have done all on their own. She'd bet two of them, maybe more. She set a brisk pace, heading for the center of Dawson. Down the street and across another, and things no longer resembled the shell of a town she'd driven into last night. She passed a few shop fronts, just opening business for the day before finding a diner on the corner. Inside, she snagged a booth without having to wait and put in her order. When the coffee showed up on the table, she took a sip and peered around. It bustled with the mid-morning crowd. Mornings weren't her jam most of the time, unless you counted breakfast, which was the tastiest meal of the day. It looked like somebody had plucked this place right up and out from the 1950s Americana, complete with chrome bar and neon lights. Life on the road meant convenience was king, and it had been fast food and instant whatever for too many weeks again. Graham would have smacked her upside the head. Her metabolism had always been out of control, and her body had a habit of eating itself when she didn't feed it enough. Which was the perfect excuse for the almost obscene amount of breakfast she'd arrayed on the table in front of her. (laughs) French toast, eggs, bacon, a blueberry muffin sliced in half and grilled, sausage, and hash browns. It was more than she needed, but she was hungry, and it would take time to go through what Joe gave her on the veil blade, along with getting a read on the town. With a booth to herself, it was easy to scope out everything going on inside. One could never tell with small towns, and she still wasn't over that Hamlet in Connecticut crawling with revenants. Hmm. The diner brimmed with people, but the conversation was a hushed burble. A few trees down at the south of town, stats about the high school football team, news from the family who didn't live there anymore. Nothing out of the ordinary, except for the table two spots over. Three men bent together, their voices low. Danny picked up a few words, something about a coincidence and a return. Combine that with the way their eyes had followed her when she took her seat, and it made the hair at the back of her neck bristle. She'd watched them until her breakfast showed up. There were players in every place she took a job. If they mattered, they'd come to her. Not like she was here on a slash and dash call anyway. Now was the time to dig into the details. Her top priority was finding the veil blade. New in town? Danny's eyes flicked up from the voice of a dark-skinned man from the table, looking back over his chair and looking at her with a smile. He had warm brown eyes, short dreadlocks that fell at the perfect angle, and cheekbones sharp Mm -hmm. enough to slice. 
Dressed in a pressed blue collared shirt with a navy vest over it and sleeves folded up to the elbow, he cut a dashing figure. Something about him screamed he was other. This was not a 100% USDA human. Maybe Faye, something with juice, that was for sure. Uh, I rolled in last night. Or this morning. Guess it depends on how you look at it, Danny answered with a grin. She leaned back and popped a piece of muffin into her mouth with a twitch of the eyebrow. Looked like she'd found one player in town already. Usually mm-hmm. took longer, but she wasn't complaining. Ah, that'd explain it. I'm Mercurius Muse, but please, call me Merc. Danny let the smirk linger on her lips, but felt a charm at her clavicle warming against her skin. The charms were all spelled, each one serving a specific purpose, and there were more than a dozen strung on the necklaces she wore. This one warned her he was trying to work some kind of mojo on her, but he wasn't talented and not a caster. That left one option. Sentinel. Danny. She took his outstretched hand and shook it with a sharp smile. Dad'll be in town long, though. Shame. I think you'd fit right in. He leaned back with casual elegance. (laughs) She choked out a light laugh. Small towns were where she worked, not where she wanted to settle down. Her idea of home didn't involve getting lost in the mountains. You don't agree? His lips quirked up into a half smirk. A bit too slow for my speed, she hedged. Is it? Merck cocked his head. I wouldn't judge so fast if I were you. Is that so? Danny leaned back against her booth, poking at her breakfast. I think you might know that, though, eh? He flashed an impish smile at her. If you have questions, come find me. My bookshop is right around the corner. He gestured with his thumb before winking. Stay safe, Danny. Danny (laughs) watched as he strolled out of the diner. The pulsing warmth of the charm faded away as he exited. No two ways about it, that was the most charming sentinel she'd ever come across. Most of them were stuffier. Am I getting in over my head? A protector sniffing her out before she'd even gotten her bearings did not bode well. This complicated things, and Danny hated complicated. Her only lead on the Veilblade was the hunter's farmhouse, but it was thin. She wasn't used to sentinels being so friendly, but he might have more concrete answers for her. Danny left the money on the table and headed towards the bookstore. Dawson was quaint, with mom and pop shops littered along the street and pedestrians going around their day, except... That's all there was. Even the Rust Belt had a decrepit old McDonald's, or hell, Walmart with shuttered doors. Small business might be the backbone of America, but this was just weird. Her arrival last night had been eerie, too. Dawson looked half-abandoned and worse for wear, but on this main stretch, it reminded her of nothing so much as Mayberry. It sent warning bells ringing through her mind. Something about this town was off. Everyone seemed to be watching, waiting for her to make a move. She turned the corner at the end of the block and found Merck's bookstore with a tall, narrow doorway and a broad plate glass window. Inside, it was brighter than she'd imagined. Half of the shop was contemporary titles, but the aroma of ink and old pages permeated the room. Small protections hidden from easy view crowded the moldings. Discreet runes that blended into a windowsill, a witch ball hanging behind a plant above the window... Little touches that folks who weren't in the know would completely overlook. Well, that didn't take long, Merck said, strolling out from a door at the back of the bookstore. I've got an itinerary to keep, too. She sauntered through the aisle, with one hand dancing along the titles. Time to see whether Merck was worth his salt. Sentinel or not, he'd have his own strengths, and she needed to suss them out before she went any further. No point in crossing him if she didn't have to. Not here on the pleasure tour, eh? He blinked, slow and lazy. Not so much. 
Bit of a workaholic, it's a personal failing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the charm at her clavicle warmed back up again. No way to tell if it was because he was working mojo or whether it reacted to proximity. It was a new addition to her collection. I'm a big fan of obscure texts. You wouldn't happen to have a catalog handy? She let the words drop and watched Mark's face to see which one of them would break first. He looked at her, she looked at him, and then he grinned and shook his head. Oh, I'll admit you're good. He rolled his eyes. Talent recognizes talent. He turned and beckoned her to follow with a fluid wave of one hand. She scowled and waited for a beat before following. The back door led into a narrow corridor with several more doors off of it. He walked through the first doorway on the right, and Danny entered a dragon's trove of treasures. Relics rested in globes, grimoires and histories on pedestals, objects lay protected behind spelled glass. Magic pulsed so strong even Danny could feel it. The air practically hummed. Wards etched along the walls and moldings kept the energy from leaking out and alerting the rest of the world to its presence. Tall shelves filled with books and arcane trinkets pressed against the walls. A large wooden table dominated the back third of the room with more books shelved behind it. Several smaller shelves created aisles in the front. There was more magic, more knowledge, locked in this single area than she'd ever seen. Graham would have drooled. It even piqued Danny's fancy, much as she tried to keep a straight face. Oh, that's... oh my. Huh, it does tend to impress. I have a sense for these things. Do you? Danny feigned ignorance. Better to let him out himself rather than giving up any intel she didn't have to. She needed allies, but not at the expense of her own secrets. We don't get many unexpected visitors. He strolled past and down aisles of heirlooms and contraptions. I never would have guessed. Oh, it's by design. He shot an inscrutable look over one shoulder. <laughs> so the crummy digs at the edge of town and my GPS being convinced this place wasn't here were on purpose. More or less... Dawson's a special kind of place. Surprised that you're here, honestly. He turned at a table and frowned at her. She watched the gears in his mind move, trying to work something out. No formal creds to help me along the way. The depth of what I don't know. Danny shrugged and ducked her head, playing bashful. Merc might be a sentinel, but he was a man first, and if experience had taught her anything, it was that men loved explaining things to women. It was an easy <laughs> game to play. He watched her act, but didn't move. A small furrow appeared between his eyes. You're serious. Danny let his words hang in the air and felt the weight of his gaze on her. He was waiting for her to fess up, probing her for the untruth, except that there wasn't one. To fool the supernatural, you had to do it correctly. Blend the lie and the truth together so neat you couldn't pick apart where one stopped and the next began. There was plenty she didn't know, and more about Dawson in particular. She leaned on that sliver of ignorance. Right. So you're self-taught, then, he enunciated each word. Danny could taste the shape of the words in the air, unfamiliar and sharp on his tongue. She'd struck a nerve, all right. More or less, I had a partner. He got out of the life. Granted, he died and not retired, but lies of omission didn't count. <laughs> hmm, that would explain a few things. He huffed out a breath and plucked a book off the shelf behind him. You don't even know. He licked one finger and thumbed through the pages without looking down. Where you are, he smirked, pleased with himself. What you are. Danny's lip curled up in a snarl, and she took a step back from the table. She didn't play the threatening games that Sentinels, Talented, and Casters all played with one another. The urge to pull her piece made her palm itch, but once one pulled a weapon, they had to use it. If she could avoid killing a damned Sentinel, that was always the right call. 
When one killed a protector, things got hairy. She already had Spectre on her ass. She didn't need more trouble. Not that the sentiment had ever stopped trouble from finding her. (laughs) She gritted her teeth and breathed out through her nose. You know, threats? Not your best call. The words sounded calm, but she was poised to strike out if she needed to. It was what she did best. Threats? That wasn't a threat. Mark went quiet. A stillness stole over his frame and made every instinct inside her scream to life. The charms warned her of magic, and not small-time shit either. His eyes slipped shut and his body went still as stone. When they reopened, they didn't look right, no longer human. Instead, twin flames of gray-brown power burned from inside of him. Now this could be a threat, he shrugged. If you weren't one of us, anyway. He chuckled and the flames disappeared, and his power slipped back to that internal well, a chalice made of flesh to hold power beyond measure. But I needed to get you to stop playing dumb. He rolled his eyes and then flipped the book so it was facing Danny. She looked at it like it might try to bite her. (laughs) Something happened. Maybe recently, he shot her a curious glance. Maybe not so recently. Something strange. Beyond normal. Something supernatural. I'm listening. She took a hesitant step closer, still strung too tight. There are the things you know, the things you thought you knew, and the truth. He gestured to the book and took a seat. She grabbed a chair and dropped into it, body tilted away from him and the table, close enough that she still had a shot on him, far enough away that she was out of arm's reach. Not that it mattered with magic. There's the shadow and the veil. Those who know and those who don't. Talent, tragedy, legacy. He smiled gently. I'm guessing tragedy, if you're self-taught. Tragedy. Danny agreed in a hoarse voice. I'm skilled at what I do. You're a hunter. I am adept at killing the monsters that snack on people. She smiled (laughs) a vicious, bloodthirsty smile. She might have been a bystander once, but grudges made her angry, and instead of getting dead, she'd gotten even. With all but Spectre, at least. But she was of a mind to remedy that. Merc's eyes narrowed. You call tragedy, but it doesn't quite fit, does it? hand-me-down suit too long in the leg i think but i can't take it from you you play the game well it is kind of my job well when it rains it pours i assume you came to suss me out or was there more i'm in town for a job merc frowned and sat back with a look of consternation on his face you're here for a job Hmm. (laughs) rumor is you've got a shiny weapon hiding somewhere in this town my guess is it's at the old hunter farmhouse Merck's eyes flicked to the door behind Danny, his mouth pressed into a hard line. The Black House. Her leg twitched at the same time, but she kept a straight face. From what I hear, when they bailed, they left some things behind. It wasn't a planned departure, if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> you aren't denying the Veilblade is in town, I see. Dawson hides all sorts of peculiarities. Aw, don't go getting cagey on me now, slugger. Danny <laughs> tapped one finger against the table between them. I can't answer your question. The house might have what you're looking for. Might not. I don't track that sort of thing. Not as if anyone can check anyway. What do you mean? Wards protect the Black House. Nobody can get in, so it's possible there's a veil blade hidden in there somewhere. I wouldn't bet on it, but it's a waste of your time. He leaned back on his chair until it balanced on two legs, and he plucked another tome off the shelf behind him. Here. This should explain more. Consider it a gift of sorts. He cocked his head and grimaced. Sadly, I need to cut our chat short. I'll see you out. He ushered her out of the room through the front of the shop and out onto the street before closing and locking the door behind her. Could this town get any weirder? Danny shook her head and took a better look at the book in her hands. Apparently, she'd be doing a hefty bit of research after all. 
Ooh. I mean, I was already excited for this book, and uh, this is just more evidence that I need this. Listeners, you need this book. I'm so it excited is, you think so. <laughs> it is delicious. Uh, that's actually, that was one of my favorite scenes to write. Uh, it's one of the scenes that survived from my first draft, is um, mm. that scene of Merc and Danny talking, and it's specifically the uh, talent, tragedy, or legacy. Like, that line every <laughs> time. Like, even even when I was reading it, I got chills a little bit. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> that is... That is one of the joys of being a writer, is being able to, like, do those things that get you, yourself, the person who wrote the damn book. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, so I'm a discovery writer, 100%. Like, I try to outline. It never works out in my favor. (laughs) Um, So I will also, like, forget when I come up with really cool bits while I'm writing (laughs) because I'm just in the zone. And it's not until I go back to revise that I'm like, oh, wow, this is so cool. How did I think of that? (laughs) Um, So this naturally leads really well into you mentioned that this is one of the things that survived drafting i'd love to know about what your favorite thing was that didn't survive so it's actually a running joke and i've talked about it on instagram live a few times now um so in the first draft this was a fairly different story and there was a magic dog um (laughs) (laughs) it was originally uh Danny's legacy, there was uh, an idea of, like, the hunters having, like, hounds that came with them that had Mm -hmm. certain abilities, and so this dog showed up for, like, three chapters, um, (laughs) and it was a magic dog, and it was delightful, but had no purpose, rhyme, or reason, uh, showed up, was there for, like, two chapters, and then disappeared and was never mentioned again. It is my favorite (laughs) thing to bring up because it's just so indicative of, like, the chaos of my drafting process Mm -hmm. that just completely insane things pop up sometimes, and I'm like, oh, that, okay, we'll we'll look at that later. And then I go back to revise, and I'm like, what was I doing? Where where did you come (laughs) from, little buddy? But when I went back to revise the second draft, and I... I had finally figured out the end because I rarely know the end of my books when I start writing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mood? I realized that uh, the whole, like, side plot with the dog and all of that, like, no longer fit with the story, so it had to be Mm. cut. But it's something I love telling people about because, um, especially for new writers, you never know what you're going to get. And so I just kind of go along with wherever the story takes me because I can revise and polish anything later. Mm-hmm. And so when my brain was like, no, there's totally a dog here. I was like, okay, cool. There's totally a dog here. <laughs> um, and so it's the joke of like, you can revise anything. And it's like, oh, my first draft was so bad. I literally had a magic dog. <laughs> I mean, I'm... I'm not going to say a magic dog makes anything bad. Yeah, that's the that's the running joke. Like it's it's mostly just like, oh, it's completely uh completely out of nowhere, like. <laughs> mhm. And it is it is one of those things that sometimes and you know, I I think this happens uh I've I've slid along the uh pantser to planner spectrum throughout my life. Uh 
And it is one of those things that I've I've seen happen for myself at both ends of that sort of uh, yeah, false but dichotomy. I, um... What I do now is uh, I call it a reverse outline, where after I've written chapters, I'll go through and I'll, like, write out everything that happened, like, in bullet Mm -hmm. points, and then I'll also leave notes for myself about, like, what I know the chapter is missing now that I've gotten further. Um, Mm -hmm. And I am just, I mean, Cinders of Yesterday, between the first draft, which was a NaNoWriMo project that I literally finished on spite after uh, being (laughs) terminated from a contract on my day job. Um, Uh It was a combination of, like, it was the first year I'd won NaNo, I lost my contract, so, like, my main source of income, and was like, well, I'm going to finish this book just to prove to the world I can. And Mm -hmm. I was coming up on my 30th birthday, and I've been writing literally my entire life i was seven the first time i told my parents i was going to be a novelist so um coming up on 30 there was that like thing in my brain that was like well if you don't have a book finished by the time you're 30 like you're never gonna do it which is wrong but my brain is mean to me Mm -hmm. um and so i literally finished the first draft like a couple of days before i turned uh it was either 30 or 31 so it was like right there uh and then it went through between that and then all the way up through copy edits was like nine drafts. It's probably over half a million words all told. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I it, I lived and breathed Cinders of Yesterday <laughs> for like three years. Uh, and it was only, uh, I mean, I it's crazy because Cinders of Yesterday is also the first um, finished book ever for me. Mm-hmm. Um and then I managed to, like, I I joke that I, you can't use me as an example for anything um, in, in my life, too. Because, like, how did you become a freelance writer, Jen? Oh, I stumbled into it. Oh, um, how did me and my partner get together? Oh, it's a romance novel, because he was my best friend for a decade first. Yeah. Um, Jen, like, oh, I, I, how did you become a novelist? Well, I finished my first book, queried it, and the, third, or the first agent who sent me an offer... Uh, sent me a request is who offered i only queried for six months i like it's it's insane uh the joke is that like all the things that never happened to somebody happened to me like i don't it's wild it has to happen to somebody like i'm i like i love it but it's very much like you can't use me as an example because it's like one percent of one percent of one percent just like all the way down the line Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it helps that I also wrote just so much fanfic for so many years. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best practice possible. It is. I mean. Oh, I'm, I'm a huge. We love fanfic here. I'm a huge advocate of fanfic because it, it can teach you how to like slip into a character's skin, to find voice, to play with things like plot and arc when you don't have to worry about, like, set dressing. Like, mm-hmm. I think of it in a lot of ways like a writing exercise, and I adore it. It is. It's really... Um, it's. I, I only just started, like... I feel like I wrote fanfic-like things for a long time, but my, like, first fanfic was after the She-Ra finale last oh, year. Oh, so good. Uh, and it was this... very much just like, you know, I know these characters. I've been through five seasons yeah. with these people. I, like, I can just write this 
vignette mm-hmm. and make yeah, it happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is dating myself, but uh, my first, like, hardcore fandom was Gundam Wing. Way, oh, yep. way in the way back. Um, I was... Like, uh, fanfiction.net days? Yep. Uh, I actually ran multiple fanfiction archives on GeoCities. That's how I learned Ooh, to yeah. type, was by coding HTML by hand. Um... So, like, fanfiction has always been, like, part and parcel of, like, uh, especially because, so, um, when I was coming into my 20s, the line was, if you write queer stories, you can't write books. Nobody will, Mm, nobody will mm -hmm. buy them, nobody will read them, and I have always written lots and lots of sapphic stories. Um, Mm -hmm. And so fanfiction was the place where I could, like, go and write my queer stories, and there were tons of people who wanted to read them and who loved them, and it really wasn't, um, like, I stopped writing original fiction for a long, long time just because, you know, it didn't seem like there was the audience for it, because I didn't know, and then it was in, like, 20... I don't remember what year it was, 2017, 2018, whichever year Children of Blood and Bone came out. Oh, yeah. Um, was when I, like, got back into original fiction again. I read that in a night and then <sighs> um, started, like, really reading again and then realized that there were queer books coming out everywhere and was like, oh, oh, it changed. It's not, it's, it's this weird thing, I think, because I'm, like, at that age where it seems like things were only a few years ago, but they were, like, a decade ago. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so that's where my brain was, where it was like, oh no, they don't, they don't print queer stories. Meanwhile, like, there's so many amazing ones, and now, like, I get to share my queer story with everybody. I'm super excited about it. In Pride Month! Exactly! It's so good. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm gonna be such a disaster at uh, Baltimore Pride. It's just gonna be me screaming about my lesbians and handing out, like, <laughs> stickers, like, all day long. It's gonna be so Fantastic. good. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, so we already touched on one of your favorite bits from this book, uh, but I wonder, without giving away too many spoilers, if you have any other absolutely favorite bits that you're so happy you got to keep in this draft. Oh man, there are so many good ones. Um, so that's a really good one. I truly love, um, so in the first act when Danny and Emily like are really interacting for the first time, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's such a disaster bisexual moment of like, (laughs) there's all this chaos happening, but all Emily can do is like stare at Danny's butt. (laughs) Um, which, like, I just, I vibe with on another level. Um, but one of the really cool things for me, so one of my hobbies for, like, uh, let's see, it's 20, so, like, 15 years, I've been doing, um, live-action role-play. I do buffer LARP, where I literally dress up in funny clothes and hit my friends with foam sticks. And while Mm -hmm, this is a totally ridiculous hobby and I love it to death, one of the really cool things about it is that it informed my action scenes, because I know mm-hmm. how your body moves, and I know... So there's a scene in the later in the book where there's, like, a big battle scene, and I had gone to a, like, weekend in- intensive to learn how to better foam fight, and literally mm-hmm. took those techniques, and they made it into the book, which is just, like... 
the coolest, nerdiest thing ever. I'm a big fan of, like, writers should experience as many things as possible because you mm-hmm. never know what your brain is going to pull in for that next story or that, like, one-liner throwaway. That's um, so joyful to me. Yes. Uh, but, like, every scene where there's snark, I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I, like... Cinders of Yesterday started because um, I love paranormal shows like Buffy and Supernatural mm-hmm. and Teen Wolf. And in a lot of ways, this was like my love letter to the genre. Um, mm-hmm. But I originally pitched it as Supernatural, but make it gay. Um, <laughs> because like I watched, I like Supernatural is one of my favorite shows. And I watched it and was like, this would be just so much better if they were just like explicitly queer. So I'm going to do that. Um <laughs> And and so, like, there are bits and pieces of, like, all those different shows where you can kind of, like, feel the vibe of them, like, sink into, like, the foundation of Cinders mm-hmm. and, Leg- uh, and Legacy of Shadows. And I just, I love that I get to write a queer love letter to my favorite genre. Absolutely. Um, taking, like, all the things that I loved about it when I was a teenager. Like, I grew up during the era of, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I imprinted on Willow Rosenberg. Um, Mm -hmm. who I adored, but we never really got to see, like, that true queer arc, because it was, like, the early 2000s. Like, the fact that Willow and Tara kissed on screen was a major breakthrough. (sighs) Um, so to be able to actually write, like, the queer story for that was something that I hadn't seen, because, like, I've been reading urban fantasy for over a decade, and Mm -hmm. much as I love, like, the books that I grew up with, there wasn't the representation that I wanted to see. Like, Mm -hmm. um... And, and so I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write these disaster babes falling in love. (laughs) Um, and originally it was such a slow burn that it wasn't even like a hard romance. It was much more of like, we're going to build up to it someday because my brain was still in that place of like, I don't know, will we be able to sell it if it's like sapphic? And then as I started to share my early drafts, uh, multiple CPs were like, if you do not let them get together by the end of this book, I will end you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so there's just, there's so many like little bits and pieces that I just, there's no chapter in the book that I don't love. (laughs) That's, we love to see it. Yeah. We absolutely love to see it. There's like, I've, I've done so much with it. It um, it entered into two different rounds of pitch wars and a round of rev pit. Um, we got, I mean, um, I I was a runner up two years running for pitch wars, and then like nearly got into rev pit, where the editor mm-hmm. was like, um, "You're ready to query, dude." <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and so it was just very strange after you know like basically three full years of working on it to be like, "Oh, it's ready to." Let other people see it now. Okay. We're going to hope this works out. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, you should go out and pre-order Cinders of Yesterday at whatever fine bookseller is most accessible to you, uh, and it will be out before you know it. So true. Oh. Jen, before we get going, where can our listeners find you elsewhere? So you can find me. I am uh, most active on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter and my Instagram handle are both at Articulate Dream. Um, you can find me. My fan page on Facebook is Author Jen Carner, and my website is www.syllablesandsass.com. Fantastic. 
Listeners, as always, links will be in the show notes. Jen, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs> Listeners, stick around in two weeks when our guest will be Dave Ring. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Ryan Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at hbbisniacs. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember... Don't self-reject. <laughs>